0: Now, the three martini lunch with Greg Corumbus and Jim Garrity.
1: And welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. It's good to be back. Thanks to Greg Knapp for filling in for me for the first three days of last week. Hope you all had a wonderful Independence Day celebration and possibly even turned it into a four-day weekend. We're brought to you today by ZipRecruiter. Right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. At this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash martini. Jim, vacation was glorious, but it's uh, always nice to be back with you. And uh, we've got three significant martinis today. Not exactly the topic you want to discuss the first thing when you come back from vacation, but uh, we've been kind of hoping for this indictment for a long time now, and it's finally here. So let's just dive right in. USA Today. Jeffrey Epstein, a billionaire financier, philanthropist, and registered sex offender, was charged with sex trafficking, girls as young as 14, in a federal indictment unsealed Monday. Epstein, quote, sexually exploited and abused dozens of minor girls at his homes in Manhattan and Palm Beach, Florida, along with other locations, the indictment says. Epstein also paid some of his victims to recruit more victims, according to the indictment. The charges, one count of sex trafficking and one count of sex trafficking conspiracy, stem from accusations dating from 2002 to 2005. He made his first court appearance uh, today. This conduct, as alleged, went on for years, says Jeffrey Berman, U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York at a news conference. Uh, Jim, this has political significance potentially uh, because he pals around with a lot of political figures, some of whom have moral track records that are, let's just say, questionable, uh, including President Trump, Bill Clinton, Kevin Spacey, Great Britain's Prince Andrew, among other friends and associates. Uh, So... Jim, we will find out what happens here. Everybody just assumes that we're going to get this avalanche of famous names revealed here. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll get a few. Who knows? But the fact that Jeffrey Epstein, who has, uh, I think it's pretty clear, broken the law in about as despicable ways as you can, is finally facing the music here.
0: Yeah, um, and this is probably going to be a massive headache for Alex Acosta, the current Secretary of Labor. He was the U.S. attorney who signed off on a deal that sentenced Epstein to 14 months in prison. Now, you might say, eh, that's not nothing, but the scale of the crimes going on for years involving enormous amounts of young women, many of whom are underage— Look, this was, you know, according to the indictments and according to the description by prosecutors, this was a a wide ranging and massive sex trafficking uh, operation. Like if this isn't the sort of thing in which they throw the book at you, what is the law on the books for? The argument from Acosta, which, by the way, this only came up very briefly in his confirmation hearing, was like, well, we became he became a registered sex offender. He did prison time. None of the girls had to testify. We considered that one to be a win. But the punishment did not appear to fit the crime. And uh, it's good to see federal prosecutors going at it for anyone wondering if this is double jeopardy. This is separate charges from separate women. You know, again, look, Epstein has been friends with Trump for a long time. No indication that Trump was involved in any of these activities as far as we know. But uh, Trump made a weird comment that he likes these beautiful women and he likes them even younger than I do or something like that, which was Really kind of unnerving, at the very least, raises the question of, you know, what Trump had heard or, or things like that. And then the next point is that, you know, Bill Clinton rode on his private plane 26 times. If you're telling me that Jeffrey Epstein was running this rampant scandal, by way, quite a few celebrities, you know, being mentioned in, in connection to this. Uh, and Bill Clinton himself said, oh, no, I'm not going to partake of that. You know, we'll, we'll see if this, this shakes out. But those of us with suspicious minds will not necessarily give Bill Clinton the benefit of the doubt. We will see how it shakes out. He's still entitled to a fair trial. Uh, but he did plead guilty to, you know, other you know, related crimes in this area. So uh, look, I'm just glad the federal prosecutors get a second bite at the apple, so to speak, possibility of a much longer and much tougher sentence. Justice has been delayed, but hopefully it will not end up being justice denied. Right? Oh,
1: that's exactly right. And uh, the predictable thing that happened here, of course, is since there are people on both sides of the aisle that have ties to Jeffrey Epstein, uh, the social media world is saying, oh, this is the end for Trump. Others saying, finally, Bill Clinton gets his comeuppance. Look, if you're associated with Jeffrey Epstein and you partook in this in any conceivable way, shape or form, and you knew about it and uh, didn't report it and, uh, and, and, and perhaps were a client of some sort, I don't care what party you were in. I hope you get exposed and I hope you're going down.
0: Yeah, I take them all down. That's my attitude. I don't care if it's uh, my favorite figures on the island. None of my favorite figures have been connected to this, but uh, this, is, this really is unforgivable. Uh, everyone involved had to know it was wrong. And, uh, you know, let let the chips fall where they may. And if it ends up having a lot of Republican figures going down for this, let them go down. Uh, If Acosta ends up looking like a fool because of this, let that happen. The most important thing here, Greg, is to bring justice for the victims. And hopefully that process is underway now.
1: And it's a good time also to highlight the scourge of this nationwide. You're getting a lot of uh, attention on this issue now because Jeffrey Epstein is who he is and he's been involved in politics and he's got a bunch of famous friends. But uh, John Whitehead over at the Rutherford Institute has done a lot of uh, detailed work on this and pointed out that sex trafficking and especially an emphasis on underage girls uh, when it comes to sex trafficking – is now the third most profitable commodity in the United States behind only guns and drugs. So this is a huge problem, and hopefully it means even more of a crackdown on this everywhere. Jim, there's no good way to transition to ZipRecruiter following that other than to encourage everyone to hire good prosecutors around the country. But whatever the job is that you need to have a filled, ZipRecruiter is the way to go. Hiring used to be really hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process— But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. And that one place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Martini.
0: ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and highlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of every five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day.
1: And right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com martini. That's ZipRecruiter.com M-A-R-T-I-N-I. ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Jim, let's move to our second good martini now here, and we don't know that this is exactly what's going to happen today, but we're really, really hoping that it is, and that's that the Democratic presidential field will not only get whittled by one, although if we stick around for the later part of the three-martini lunch today, it might just be a wash. But it's one person that really had no business being in the race in the first place. So hopefully he'll go. And that's Eric Swalwell, uh, the Democratic congressman from California. Fox News says the congressman from California and long shot for the Democratic presidential nomination will hold a news conference Monday afternoon at his campaign headquarters. The development comes five days after Swalwell abruptly canceled a July 4 campaign swing in New Hampshire, the state that holds the first primary in the race for the White House. And it comes as the congressman struggles in the polls and faces the possibility of not making the stage at the second round of the Democratic presidential primary debates later this month. Swalwell's campaign has been mum on the reason for the cancellation of the New Hampshire trip. And for the news conference, he's still active on his campaign Twitter account. So, Jim, uh, we can dream. There's going to be, what, 26 if Swalwell stays and our uh, third martini gets in. So, Eric Swalwell seems to be having no impact whatsoever. He's taking up time on the debate stage, and I don't think too many people are going to miss him.
0: I have a corner post about this. And, you know, this is the guy who basically ran around the stage and said, Pass the torch, pass the torch, <laughs> uh, during that second debate to, to Joe Biden. Uh, in some of his comments, he said, you know, if elected, I'd be a president who'd have to live with the consequences uh, of his presidency and not some subtle shot at Biden's age. This was the guy who called for gun confiscation and suggests that if the people ever rebel, the federal government has nukes. I think it was Iowa Hawk who said, boy, as God is my witness, I thought nuking Oklahoma would be a winning issue in the presidential race. <laughs> uh, he also said that he's um, he's running to increase diversity <laughs> as a white man. But uh, it's very important to have diversity. And so, uh, look, uh, you and I will have a lot of fun whacking him around as a pinata. Much to my frustration, though, Greg, no one has told a pollster, as far as I've seen, that when asked an open-ended question about who they're voting for in the Democratic presidential primary, no one has answered um, Irving Schmidlap. Because if that had happened, Irving Schmidlap would actually be ahead of Eric Swalwell, who was at zero for many, many consecutive primary polls there go a little bit against type here, though, and give a you know my traditional molecule of sympathy to Eric Swalwell. And for all of these candidates, and maybe you can say this is foreshadowing our, our martini number three here, when you're an elected official, most of the people you encounter want a favor from you. Most of the people you encounter would rather not have you as an enemy. So when you start saying, hey, do you think I should run for president? It's very tough to say, no, you'd be terrible. <laughs> You're not as charismatic as you think you are. You're not as persuasive. Nobody's heard of you, Congressman. I know you've been on CNN a lot. I know you like to think you you, you say all these pithy things, but no, really, you will not succeed. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares who you are. Your message would be redundant from at least a dozen other candidates up on that stage. You'd struggle to get 3%. You're wasting it. nobody want, nobody around Eric Swalwell told him that, is in my suspicion. Or, or at least say anyone who did, he figured out a reason to tune them out. Oh, they're jealous. Oh, they're haters, oh they don't, you know, they, they don't want me to succeed, et cetera, et cetera. And when you become an elected official, you know, there are the occasional exception, but really nine times out of 10, you end up living in a bubble of some kind. You are surrounded by people who tell you what you want to hear, people who don't want to communicate inconvenient truths, people who don't want to tell you things you don't want to hear. So when you do encounter the people who tell you things you don't want to hear, you know, whether it's protesters outside your office or you have an angry town hall meeting Or maybe just two guys who have a podcast who keep making fun of you, you know, constantly come up with reasons to not listen to them. Oh, they're haters. Oh, they're jealous of my talent and skills. Oh, they just they're they're right wing maniacs and all that stuff. So that's, you know, Eric Swalwell has been walking around in a bubble. And over the last couple of weeks, it must have popped. You know, my suspicion is uh, the, the, the quarterly fundraising numbers came in. They probably were terrible. Um, so Eric Swalwell is probably feeling pretty lousy today. Uh, he probably is recognizing it. Everybody around him, it was the emperor's new clothes. Nobody had the guts to tell him, Eric, this is not going to succeed. This is a terrible idea. You're going to embarrass yourself. And now he is where he is. He'll go back to his congressional district. It's a D plus 20 district. He's going to have that seat for as long as he wants it. But, uh, you know, hopefully he's eating some crow and he's got some egg on his face. And, uh, you know, that's uh, a lesson that I suspect a lot of these candidates are going to learn before all is said and done in the 2020 presidential cycle. Jim, if his
1: bubble popped and in twenty four consecutive polls no one supported him, his campaign theme song should have been "Tiny Bubbles" by uh, Don Ho, because that is pretty pretty hard to pop.
0: <laughs> it's a steel, ironclad bubble. But uh, yeah, the, the irony, of course, is that you know every you know, these guys. At the local level, at the state level, you know, this. Look, you know, it's not like Bullock is in dramatically different, you know, <laughs> different, Bullock didn't even make the stage, right? Most of these guys are going to have that rendezvous with reality in the coming months and weeks when all of a sudden the funding dries up. It was never, maybe never that good in the first place. The urging them to run for less, for lower office gets a little more insistent. Somebody like John Looper, you know, they're, they're people are going to, the patience will wear out. And these guys who walked around thinking that their, you know, what didn't stink are going to learn. Not only are they human, they're not a particularly popular human being.
1: And we can now report it's official. Eric Swalwell is not going to be continuing his Democratic presidential campaign. He will sadly, however, be running for Congress again in 2020. All right, let's move on to our third and final martini, our crazy martini for the day, Jim. And uh, as foreshadowed, we're still talking about people getting in and out of the 2020 Democratic presidential race because the one thing you definitely want more of are candidates that no one's really heard of before. And so enter Tom Steyer, unless you're really paying attention to people who donate to environmental causes or if you watch a lot of cable news, you see that he's bankrolling the uh, impeached Trump A campaign. Every time there's a drib or drab from the Mueller report or something else, he immediately shoots another commercial saying, this is the last straw. We've got to get rid of him and so forth. So he announced earlier in the year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jim, that he was not going to run for president. But given that the field is only 25 candidates deep at the moment... Clearly, there's room for one more. So bring on the Atlantic. The presidential campaign announcements may not be over yet, with the latest potentially coming from a person who'd ruled out a run just a few months ago. Billionaire investor Tom Steyer, who in the last decade has been both the top Democratic donor in the country and the prime engine for pushing the impeachment of President Donald Trump, appears ready to become Democratic candidate number 26. Last week in San Francisco, Steyer told staffers at two progressive organizations that he funds Need to Impeach and Next Gen America that he is launching a 2020 campaign and that he plans to make the formal announcement this Tuesday. Jim, wow. I know this is going to really shake up everything and it's going to completely recalculate every other candidate's strategy. But uh, what do you make of the odds that Tom Steyer is going to actually jump into this thing?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, now we know where Eric Swalwell's supporter is going. <laughs> Singular. Yeah. Um, the thing that I love is the thought that Steyer watches, the four hours of debate last or the week before that. And he watches it all and he says, you know, I just don't see my point of view represented. <laughs> no one's willing to stand up for my principles and my ideas because considering what Steyer's always stood for, both environmental stuff, Green New Deal, you know, impeach Trump, Trump is the worst, yada, yada, yada. Classic San Francisco billionaire type. Steyer would have to look at his primary principle that was not represented up on that stage is that Tom Steyer should be president of the United States. <laughs> that's the principle that uh, he's right. Now, the interesting thing here is, I, I just said everything I said about elected officials. Look, if you're a billionaire, you generally don't run into lots of other people saying, that's a terrible idea, you're an idiot, you're nowhere near as persuasive and charming as you think you are. Your success in business is not likely to translate into governing success. You're completely unprepared to be commander in chief. And this is a terrible idea. Um, or if they do, I mean, you know, my guess is that in any given day, the number of the percentage of people who Tom Steyer interacts with who work for him is probably pretty considerable. But if they don't work for him, they probably are dependent upon his grants to their nonprofits and things like that. So Tom Steyer is another guy who's walking around in a bubble, who really doesn't encounter anybody who's willing to pull him aside, a trusted friend who can say, you know, I know you want this, but it's not going to go well. You're, you're not well positioned for this. The one big difference for Tom Steyer is, look, when you're a billionaire, you can basically uh, spend unlimited money. <laughs> you don't have to worry about fundraising. You can do something like the John Delaney thing, where if you need to get in a certain number of donors for the president to qualify for the debates— you just say to people, hey, I'll donate $2 for every $1 you donate to my campaign. You can afford it. Your campaign is basically made of money. You need want to put up TV advertising from coast to coast? You can afford to do it. You want to you know, put up billboards all across Iowa and New Hampshire? You can afford to do it. Tom Steyer is not going to be the Democratic nominee. But he can make life more complicated for lots of other guys because he can just throw in a ton of resources, and that will eventually, you know, bring up his name ID and probably convince some percentage of people, hey, this is a guy worth supporting, he's saying the right things, yada, yada, yada. It's the same reason why Democrats were, at the time, terrified of of Howard Schultz. It's not that Howard Schultz was likely to win the presidency, but as an independent and a billionaire, he's got a lot of money to spend, and a certain number of people would say, hey, you know what, I like that guy, I'm going to go vote for that guy. So like that, a little more complicated for some, I'm going to say not the not the Bidens, not the Harris's, but maybe the the Cory Booker's, the Amy Klobuchar's, that second tier type where, you know, there's only there's only a certain amount of percentage points you can scrounge up in this race. And now all of a sudden, a billionaire jumping in with presumably unlimited funding to self-finance. And, uh, you know, look, uh, I, you know, we pick, I pick this as the crazy martini because, I again, Tom Steyer, here's the call of America. I think it was a wrong number, Greg.
1: <laughs> well, it's the Trump effect. Everybody thinks they can do it now, particularly if they're a uh, billionaire and somebody who's interested in politics. I think Tom Steyer was looking for a candidate on the stage who would turn no matter what the question into, and that's why Trump needs to be impeached. And nobody did yeah, but that. Here's
0: the thing: like I'm running for president to impeach President Trump. <laughs> Look, but Biden answered a question in that: you know, What is the first thing you do as president? He said, "I'd, I'd you know, I'd, I'd end Trump." Well, if you win the election, you did it. <laughs> you're you're done with that part. You can you can move on to what you actually want to do here. But uh, maybe you know, maybe that's Steyer's mentality. Vote for me, I will impeach Trump as president, which isn't really a presidential power. But hey, or or alternately, maybe Steyer will just go with a very simple, easy to remember chant, something along the lines of um, "Lock him up." <laughs>
1: Could be. Could be. CNN, July 30th and 31st. I know you've completely cleared your schedule. Just found out this morning that CNN will televise the live lottery drawing for who gets into which debate. So,
0: man, it's like the NBA draft. <laughs> exactly. B-14. Uh, bingo.
1: <laughs> it's riveting. It's riveting. Uh, that's what you got to do with a filled 24 hours of cable news these days. Jim, good to be back with you and we'll uh, do it again tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Carumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to visit our friends over at ZipRecruiter. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. And tune in again Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.